Remember more, improve your focus, and multitask better. Hum is a brain sharpener that helps you do all three. Hum's wearable boosts your working memory and will be available in late 2021. Sign up to be notified when Hum launches and to learn more about the science behind Hum at thinkhum.com. That's thinkhumm.com. Hum is designed for healthy adults and should not be used if you're pregnant, have cognitive impairment, implanted devices, or a history of seizures. The Hum patch is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. To learn more, go to thinkhum.com. Welcome to the Daily News and Brief podcast. Today is the 29th of October and this week's main stories are More than 60,000 people in the UK have now died after contracting COVID-19 according to analysis of official data. Up-to-date figures from the government show more than 1,189 virus-related deaths have been registered since the last toll of 59,927 was posted, meaning a total of at least 61,116 people have now died across England, Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland. On Tuesday, 22,885 new cases of COVID-19 were recorded and a further 367 deaths were confirmed, the largest daily death figure since May. The latest count brings the UK's rolling seven-day average death toll to 200. Meanwhile, new research from Imperial College London has revealed the proportion of people with coronavirus antibodies has declined. The findings come from the REACT2 study, which uses random home finger prick testing to track antibody rates across all 314 local authorities in England. Antibodies are protective proteins produced by the body in response to an infection and can act as a good indicator of protection against reinfection. The study's first round of testing in June drew data from 100,000 participants and found roughly 6% had antibodies. However, the latest round of testing conducted in September found this figure had fallen to 4.4%. Professor Helen Ward, a co-author of the research, said its results showed the country was a long way from anything resembling herd immunity. On Wednesday, it was announced that Nottinghamshire would be entering Tier 3 measures from midnight on Friday. While Nottingham City, Broxtow, Gedling and Rushcliffe have already been preparing to enter the strictest level of COVID-19 rules on Thursday, these measures will now be extended to include the entire county. Nottingham South Labour MP Lillian Greenwood has spoken out about the government's handling of the situation, accusing ministers of taking a week and a half to reach an agreement over the county. It's created huge anxiety and uncertainty, and by doing that, I think they're undermining trust, she said. Greenwood is one of several MPs in the Midlands and Northern England to voice criticism over the government's management of regional restrictions. In a letter to the Prime Minister on Monday, more than 50 Conservative MPs representing constituencies in Northern England warned that their communities were being disproportionately affected by localised coronavirus restrictions and risked being left behind as a result. The newly formed Northern Research Group wrote that COVID-19 had exposed the deep structural and systemic disadvantage faced by the North and urged Johnson to provide an economic recovery plan to avoid the pandemic worsening existing disparities with the South. The MPs also called on the Prime Minister to produce a roadmap down the tiering system and out of lockdown after local leaders warned there were no clear rules about the required criteria for exiting the restrictions. Responding to the MP's letter on Tuesday, Chancellor Rishi Sunak said he shared the group's frustrations at the restrictions, but insisted the government remained committed to investing in the regions. Meanwhile, Boots has announced plans to offer COVID-19 testing capable of providing a diagnostic result in 12 minutes. The nasal swab test costs £120 and will be launched at selected boot stores from November. The High Street Pharmacy chain said the testing would be made available only to those who were not suffering COVID-19 symptoms and aimed to offer customers peace of mind. 
The test has been developed by Lumira DX and uses a small portable machine to analyse nose swab samples within minutes. Boots UK Managing Director Seb James has described the 12-minute tests as a miracle of technology and said they would offer 97 to 98% accuracy. Quick and widely available testing is considered an essential tool to contain the second wave of COVID-19 infections, while the development of potential vaccine continues. On Monday, the Health Secretary said an effective vaccine for tackling the virus was not there yet, but could be rolled out in 2021. On my central expectation, I would expect the bulk of the rollout to be in the first half of next year, Matt Hancock said. The Oxford University team working on one potential vaccine has confirmed that the experimental jab is producing an immune response in both young and old adults. Drug maker AstraZeneca, which is helping to manufacture the vaccine, said the encouraging results also showed that the jab triggered lower adverse responses among elderly people. The Prime Minister has continued to insist that the government will not fund free school meals for children from low-income families over the holidays. Addressing the growing backlash on Monday, Boris Johnson praised the campaign of footballer Marcus Rashford, who has called for free meals to be provided outside of term time, but maintained his stance on the policy. The government has repeatedly rejected the extension of free school meal provision on the grounds that support is best provided via local authorities and an increase in universal credit. However, councils have warned that the £63 million of additional coronavirus funding awarded to local authorities in June is not enough to cover continued meal provision for impoverished children. On Monday, the Prime Minister indicated that an additional package of support could be put in place over the Christmas holidays, vowing that ministers will do everything in our power to make sure that no kid goes hungry this winter. Downing Street has declined to comment on the reported plans but did not dispute that work was underway on the policy. According to reports in the Daily Telegraph, Johnson is hoping to end the row by providing councils with extra cash to fund holiday clubs. A similar scheme in which children received a meal and additional educational support was trialled in 17 authorities over the summer. While it is too late to roll out the policy during this half term, it could be in place for the Christmas break. Meanwhile, Rashford's campaign has seen him granted the City of Manchester Award. The 22-year-old has already received an MBE for his campaign against child poverty, which was instrumental in triggering a government U-turn on the extension of free school meals during the summer holidays. The Lord Mayor of Manchester said it was remarkable to see Rashford give a voice to the powerless. The Manchester United striker will be able to formally receive the award, which recognises an outstanding and exceptional contribution to the city once social distancing rules allow it. In UK news, the deaths of four people in the English Channel should serve as a wake-up call to leaders in Britain and France, migrant charities have said. Rasul Iran Najad and Shiba Mohammed Panahi, both 35, died after a boat attempting to make the dangerous channel crossing sank off the coast of northern France on Tuesday. Their two children, nine-year-old Anita and six-year-old Armin, also died after being pulled from the water alive. Their baby Artin remains missing. Fifteen other people aboard the boat were taken to hospitals in Dunkirk and Calais. Care for Calais has called on the British government to create a safe legal process by which refugees can apply for asylum in the UK from outside its borders. Claire Mosley, founder of the charity, said migrants felt pushed to make the dangerous crossing as a result of the government's policies, including its plan to abolish legal protection for refugee children seeking to be reunited with their families in the UK. Its concerns have been echoed by Save the Children, which has called on governments in London and Paris to form a joint plan to address the issue. The English Channel must not become a graveyard for children, it warned. Home Secretary Priti Patel said she was saddened by the incident and would do all she could to stop traffickers facilitating the crossings. Patel has previously vowed to make the journey unviable. 
Seven stowaways have been detained after the special boat service stormed an oil tanker off the Isle of Wight on Sunday. The SBS operation was executed following requests for assistance from Hampshire police. The force was alerted after stowaways were discovered on board the Liberian-registered Nave Andromeda and reportedly became violent. With all 22 members sheltering in the ship Citadel, the Special Forces team waited until dark before being dropped onto the vessel by Royal Navy helicopters. The operation to secure the ship was completed in just nine minutes. The stowaways, thought to be from Nigeria, have been detained. Police said a full investigation into the incident was now underway. Detectives investigating the Grenfell Tower fire have made their first arrest. An unnamed 38-year-old was arrested in Sussex on suspicion of perverting the course of justice on Saturday. Scotland Yard said the man had been taken to a local police station and was later released under investigation. Detectives said the arrest had not been made in connection with recent revelations from the Grenfell Tower inquiry, which last week heard how Claire Williams, who worked for Kensington and Chelsea Tenant Management Organisation, had binned evidence about the tower's botched refurbishment, despite knowing a police investigation was underway. Celebrity chef Prulief has insisted it is possible to serve delicious, nutritious food on a budget as part of a review into meals served at NHS hospitals. Led by the Great British Bake Off judge, the review has made several recommendations, including upgrades to catering sites to enable 24-7 service and the introduction of digital menus and patient-tailored food ordering systems. The review, which was launched after a hospital outbreak of listeriosis was linked to pre-packaged sandwiches last year, has also set out ways in which trusts can prioritise food safety and healthy meals. Food is not only important to health but to morale, Leith said. It should inspire staff, patients and visitors to eat well at home. The government has pledged to consult catering experts and dietitians to decide on next steps. New figures released by the Home Office have revealed the number of individual stop and searches conducted by police rose by 53% in England and Wales last year. Despite the rise in searches, with almost 560,000 carried out over the period, the arrest rate fell to 13% and 75% of stops resulted in no further action. The figures have also revealed racial disparities in the use of the powers, with black people nine times more likely to be stopped and searched than white people. According to the Home Office, this figure is the result of a significant escalation in the use of search tactics in London. This increase, combined with the capital's higher proportion of black, Asian and minority people, worked to skew the national figures for racial disproportionality, the department claimed. UK mobile phone companies are to be banned from selling locked handsets. Under a new ruling from Ofcom, UK firms will only be permitted to sell phone handsets that can be switched between mobile networks by customers. At present, BT, EE, Tesco Mobile and Vodafone still sell locked handsets which cannot be used on other networks unless users pay an unlocking fee. Selena Chadder, Ofcom's Connectivity Director, said the regulator's ruling would effectively ban the sale of locked phones. It will save people time, money and effort and help them unlock better deals, she said. Any firms that do not comply with the ruling may face a heavy fine. A review authored by Baroness Doreen Lawrence has found that COVID-19 thrived among black, Asian and ethnic minority or BAME communities as a result of racial inequalities. Baroness Lawrence said BAME people had been disproportionately affected by the virus as a result of being underprotected and overlooked, citing overcrowded housing and public-facing job roles as two factors that left BAME people overexposed during the pandemic. The report has also made several recommendations, including requiring employers to publish COVID-19 risk assessments and supply personal protective equipment. Starmer has urged ministers to act on the recommendations, warning that a failure to do so will leave UK citizens badly exposed over the winter. A police officer who strangled his lover has been jailed for manslaughter. 
Timothy Bremer was sentenced to 10 years and six months on Wednesday for killing Claire Parry in a pub car park in May after she revealed their affair to his wife. Parry, a mother of two, died in hospital the following day from a brain injury caused by compression to her neck. On Monday, a jury found Bremer not guilty of murder. However, the 41-year-old had previously admitted manslaughter. Sentencing Bremer at Salisbury Crown Court on Wednesday, Justice Jacobs accepted that the killing was not premeditated, but said the former police officer had done nothing to try to help Parry following the assault. A new report from the Resolution Foundation has revealed young and ethnic minority workers were more likely to be made unemployed after being put on furlough during the coronavirus lockdown. A survey from the think tank found 19% of young people furloughed during lockdown were unemployed in September. From workers from a black, Asian or minority ethnic background, this figure rose to 22%, compared with just 9% across the general population. Its findings suggest many people are also struggling to gain re-employment, with just 43% of those laid off since March finding new work by September. Once you become unemployed, finding new employment looks like it's even worse than it was after the financial crash, warned Lord Willits, president of the think tank. Comic Relief has said it will stop sending celebrities to Africa to promote its fundraising campaigns. The decision follows criticism of the charity's celebrity appeals, with some arguing that stars such as Stacey Dooley were going to the continent as white saviours. Comic Relief said its video appeals would instead be produced by local filmmakers with a more authentic perspective. It has also pledged to raise awareness of wider narratives across the continent and will no longer use images of starving people or sick children to portray Africa. Comic Relief co-founder Sir Lenny Henry has welcomed the decision. A lot has changed over Comic Relief's 35 years, he said. African people don't want us to tell their stories for them. What they need is more agency, a platform and partnership. Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris has overtaken London Heathrow as Europe's busiest airport for the first time. 19 million passengers used Heathrow during the first nine months of 2020, compared with 19.3 million at Charles de Gaulle. Paris's promotion to the top spot was revealed by Heathrow Chief Executive John Holland Kay on Wednesday. Holland Kay said Frankfurt and Amsterdam were also gaining ground on the London airport due to the government's slow adoption of COVID-19 testing. Britain is falling behind because we've been too slow to embrace passenger testing, he said. European leaders acted quicker and now their economies are reaping the benefits. Elsewhere in the world... The Spanish government has approved a six-month state of emergency, which will allow regional governments to impose an overnight curfew between 11pm and 6am. The latest measures have been introduced after Spain became the first Western European country to record more than one million infections last week. Prime Minister Pedro Sánchez has insisted the measures will not remain in force for a day longer than needed. No one, not the government of Spain nor its regional governments, want to impose a single restriction that isn't necessary to flatten the curve and protect public health, he said. Meanwhile, in Italy, gyms, swimming pools, cinemas and theatres have closed following a five-fold increase in the country's daily infection rate since the 8th of October. The latest epidemiology data cannot leave us indifferent, Prime Minister Giuseppe Conti said. However, news of the fresh restrictions prompted unrest in some Italian cities. In Turin and Milan, police used tear gas to disperse crowds after initially peaceful demonstrations descended into violence and several luxury goods stores were ransacked. In France, officials have announced a four-week national lockdown to tackle the spread of the virus. Jean-Francois Delfrazy, head of the French Scientific Council, handling the epidemic, said the country was probably seeing 100,000 new cases a day, 
twice the official figure. From Friday, people will only be permitted to leave home for essential work or medical reasons. Schools will remain open, but bars, restaurants and non-essential businesses will close. In Belgium, infections hit a new daily high of 18,000 last week, a peak almost 10 times higher than that registered in the first wave of the pandemic earlier this year. Belgium's COVID-19 crisis centre has warned the country's intensive care units will be overwhelmed within a fortnight if the current rate of infection continues. In more positive news, Melbourne lifted its strict lockdown on Wednesday after more than 110 days in quarantine. The Australian city, which entered lockdown in early June, reported no new infections on Monday. Fundamentally, this belongs to every single Victorian who has followed the rules, stayed the course, worked with me and my team to bring the second wave to an end, Victoria State Governor Daniel Andrews said. The US President's Chief of Staff has told reporters that the administration is not going to control the pandemic. When asked why on Sunday, Mark Meadows said because it is a contagious virus. His comments came after the US reported 83,757 new COVID-19 infections on Friday, a record daily caseload. At the same time, the virus has continued to spread in the White House, with Mike Pence's chief of staff and four others in the vice president's team testing positive on Saturday. A spokesperson said Pence had tested negative and intended to continue with election campaign appearances, despite his close contact with an infected person. With just a week to go until polling day, both Donald Trump and his Democratic challenger Joe Biden have made visits to the key battleground state of Pennsylvania in a last-ditch attempt to win over voters. At a low-key appearance in Chester, Biden said he was not overconfident about anything and with the grace of God would win Pennsylvania, the state where he was born. A Reuters poll conducted between the 20th and 26th of October has put Biden narrowly ahead of Trump in the state. Meanwhile, the US Senate has voted to confirm Judge Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court just days before the presidential election. The upper house voted almost entirely along party lines to approve the new justice, confirming her nomination by 52 votes to 48. Only one Republican, Senator Susan Collins, voted against President Trump's nominee on Monday night. Democrats had opposed Trump's bid to rush through a new appointment to the court ahead of the election on the 3rd of November. Democratic Senator Chuck Schumer described Barrett's confirmation as one of the darkest days in the 231-year history of the Senate. The 48-year-old is the third justice appointed by Trump during his presidency. Her confirmation is likely to secure a conservative majority on the Supreme Court for decades to come. Three people were killed in a knife attack in the French city of Nice on Thursday. Police have described the incident, which occurred inside the Notre Dame Basilica in the city centre, as a terror attack. According to early reports, one of the victims was a 70-year-old woman who was beheaded in the church. A man believed to be the church warden was also killed, and a second critically injured woman managed to run from the church but died of her injuries. Police shot the attacker, who has since been taken to hospital, and described the scene in the church as a vision of horror. The killings come just weeks after the Paris murder of Samuel Paty, a teacher who showed his class a cartoon of the Prophet Muhammad. French President Emmanuel Macron has pledged to crack down on Islamist separatism in the wake of the violence. Chileans have taken to the streets to celebrate after an overwhelming majority voted to rewrite the country's constitution on Sunday. The constitution, which dates back to the military rule of dictator Augusto Pinochet, is to be replaced by a new charter drawn up by a specially elected convention of Chilean citizens. The referendum on the previous constitution was brought about following a month of mass protests in Chile. Initially triggered by fare hikes on the Santiago metro, the demonstrations developed into broader protests against inequality, with constitutional reform among protesters' key demands. President Sebastián Piñera has praised the peaceful poll, in which almost 7.5 million Chileans turned out to vote, describing it as the beginning of a path that we must all walk together. In lighter news... 
NASA has found definitive evidence that there is water on the moon. The discovery was made towards the moon's south pole, although research suggests water may be distributed across the lunar surface. While scientists remain uncertain about the form the H2O may be taking, its discovery represents a breakthrough for future space exploration, with water critical not just for drinking but for fuel and oxygen production. Japan's new prime minister has said the country will become carbon neutral by 2050. Yoshihide Suga made the 30-year emissions pledge in his first policy address since taking office. Responding to climate change is no longer a constraint on economic growth, Suga told Japan's parliament on Monday. Amid applause from MPs, he added, I declare we will aim to realise a decarbonised society. And finally, an enormous vertical reef has been discovered at the northern end of Australia's Great Barrier Reef. The blade-like coral structure measures more than 500 metres high, taller than the Empire State Building, and is around 1.5 kilometres wide at its base. The discovery was made during a 3D seabed mapping expedition off Cape York, Australia's northeastern tip, and is expected to lead to years of further marine study. What it highlights is how little we know about a lot of the ocean, even the Great Barrier Reef, said Tom Bridge, the expedition's principal investigator. That's it for this week. If you enjoyed that, then do please rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.